0: there's no such concept in islam nor has there ever been any such concept as this ludicrous and frankly immature term stealth jihad
1: it honestly sounds like something out of a comic book you're listening to beliefs from religion news service i'm bill baker qasim rashid is a best-selling and critically acclaimed author practicing attorney and host of the podcast recite islam recent internal republican party machinations in texas resulted in a public fight over whether Muslims can serve as party officers. Beliefs producer Jonathan Woodward sat with Qasem Rashid to explore the nature of the claims against Muslim American service in American civic spaces.
2: Qasem, welcome to Beliefs. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
2: So I wonder if you've been watching any of the news coming out of Tarrant County, Texas in the past couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, there's a story of a Republican Muslim physician who holds an office in the local uh, Tarrant County GOP board, from what I understand. And there was a big push uh, by Republicans in Tarrant County to oust him from his seat, not because they disagreed with his political views or because they thought he wasn't leading the properly effectively, but because of his faith as a Muslim. And, And that's not an interpretation or a dog whistle. It's a it's a bullhorn that they've been very clear that they wanted Dr. Shahid Shafi out because he is a Muslim and they can't trust whether he is loyal to the Constitution. I mean, just the irony of that statement, it just it it's mind boggling.
2: Yeah, I'm actually having a hard time believing this. So I want to be absolutely clear. This is an appointed position in a local Republican Party leadership structure, a vice chairmanship. And when Dr. Shafi was appointed, some members in that district wanted him removed specifically because he is Muslim and they forced a vote to remove him from the position.
0: And, and you know, the, the, that is where kind of the rubber meets the road. If you only uphold the constitution when it's for people you agree with, that's not really upholding the constitution. That's it's actually quite the opposite of it. It's, it's ripping apart the constitution. The irony that I I keep referring to here is that uh, the individuals who wanted to oust him are claiming that they're not sure whether Dr. Shafi can be loyal to the Constitution. Well, the First Amendment uh, is explicitly clear about the protection of religious freedom. uh, And the the Constitution is explicitly clear that there shall never be a uh, religious test for holding office. So the very people questioning his commitment to the Constitution have obviously and completely given up their own responsibility to uphold the Constitution. And the fact that they don't see that is what's truly frightening. Now, uh, from what I understand, the vote last night uh, was in favor of Dr. Shafi, 139 in favor, forty-nine against. And while that's a small victory, it's still deeply disturbing that 25% of the GOP, at least in this district, uh, would rather um, oust him for his faith than uphold and protect our guarantee to religious freedom,
2: you know one thing that is striking about this fight is how public it became with state and national Republican leadership disavowing the whole thing, and the emboldened nature of the fight, the um, the unapologetic religious test that some members of the Tarrant County Republican Party were trying to apply. Is, is the openness of this conflict new or surprising in any way?
0: Well, I mean, in, in recent times, what we've seen is, is this sweeping wave of anti-Sharia legislation that has kind of taken over the country. Close to 30 states have either passed or tried to pass laws banning, quote unquote, Sharia law in America. It's a nonsensical law. The New York Times did a great profile on it that this is a solution in search of a problem. And, uh, you know, anyone who knows the first thing about the Constitution knows that it has the Supremacy Clause, which forbids any any law that's not the U.S. Constitution from being applied as the supreme law of the land. And so it, implicitly, what we've seen over the last decade or so is more than half of the states in the Union effectively passing these kinds of laws. And this is just, in, in my view, another manifestation of that. And that's what's truly disturbing. That this is not just something that emerged uh, this year or this week. This has been going on. This has been a sustained effort to demonize Muslims uh, and Islam for quite some time. And it echoes the anti-Catholic rhetoric that we saw in the nineteen, uh, well, uh, in the eighteen hundreds uh, through the nineteen hundreds as well. Uh, even you know, President Kennedy was asked about his loyalties. And if you look at the um, propaganda machine during his time there were uh, it was was in full drive questioning whether his loyalty was to the vatican or whether it would be to the united states government so you know this is essentially the the latest flavor of the week in in religious demonization and uh i'm glad to see you know again taking the silver lining i'm glad to see the vote was in favor of dr shafi but the fact that we're still even asking these questions is, is truly disturbing
2: There's a phrase that's getting thrown around um, this conflict that stands out to me as worth noting. And that's the theory of the so-called stealth jihad, that there's an attempt by Muslims to infiltrate government, to begin to implement elements of Sharia law. Is there any way, and I know this is a weird way to put this, but is there any way to make sense of these claims?
0: The short answer is no. No. Um, The only thing that makes sense from this claim is that it is an attempt to demonize and uh, divide um, uh, Americans Demonize Americans who happen to be Muslim and divide Americans by putting them into categories of of Muslim and uh, not Muslim It's the us versus them mentality There's no such concept in Islam nor has there ever been any such concept as this ludicrous and frankly immature term stealth jihad, it, it honestly sounds like something out of a comic book, um, and it's, it, it would be laughable if it wasn't so dangerous to our basic human decency and, and civility. There's, uh, there's this playbook that you know, a, a lot of these propagandists use where they'll take um, you know, ignorance that people have, they'll add fear to it to try to drive some kind of a result, try, try to bring about some kind of an action and unfortunately there is a lot of misinformation and ignorance on what islam is and isn't and uh, what you know some of these powers that be are doing is using that ignorance manipulating it with fear to try to elicit a vote or or elicit you know funding or uh, oppose something oppose a mosque being built or uh, oppose a, a a child from from praying or it could be any number of things but the bottom line is that when we fall into these really ignorant uh, and, and misinformed, uh, you know, quote-unquote stealth jihad claims, what we're ultimately doing is we're harming the fabric of our own national security because we are creating an environment where Americans live in distrust and fear of other Americans. And, you know, nobody wants to live in fear. Nobody deserves to live in fear. We, we deserve to live in, in love and in harmony with one another. And that only happens when we have these dialogues and these conversations with one another. You know, and so for my part, as a Muslim, as an American, as a lawyer who's taken a sworn oath to uphold the U.S. Constitution, my door remains open. And every day I receive, you know, sometimes literally a hundred messages from people, email and tweets and, and on Facebook, asking these questions and saying, I don't want to offend, but here's the question. And I tell them, uh, nothing that you could ask in sincerity will ever offend me because it's until we have the courage and conviction to ask th- these questions that, uh, that w- we're not going to learn until we do. So those who take the time out and ask these questions, I-, I really commend them because I think that's the type of dialogue that we need to have. That's what Islam commands uh, of Muslims. Uh, in the Quran, Muslims are repeatedly commanded to inquire and investigate and pontificate and reflect and speak truth and do not conceal any part of the truth. And I think until and unless we can have those conversations more robustly, we're going to allow ourselves to be manipulated by people who have insincere and sometimes even malicious motives.
2: Hmm. So you mentioned a similar dynamic that arose for President Kennedy, but it is a bit different. I'm curious as to what you think it is about Sharia law that terrifies some white Christian imaginations. And I say this, you know, recognizing that it's not the job of minority or marginalized communities to explain themselves. But since you've invited us, uh, why are people afraid of Sharia law? What, what does it, what does it represent?
0: Well, I think the fear comes again from misinformation. Um, there's been a significant amount of money and airtime and media time spent on demonizing uh, Muslims and, and making Sharia sound like some scary thing that has no place in civilized society. And I've written on this extensively. I, I've done you know Twitter threads on this uh, that have gone viral. And and every person that's taken the time to read these comes back to me and says, oh, it's, I didn't realize that this is actually a pretty normal thing. You know, a Sharia, It's it's just the law of the Quran. And it literally means what its translation means is a path to life-giving water. Uh, the word yara, which is the uh, the root of the word Torah, it, it means the same thing. So it's actually an Abrahamic concept. And uh, what what Sharia, the fundamental thing I can tell you about Sharia is that it forbids any form of religious compulsion. So whatever your understanding of Sharia is, you have to be very clear that it forbids religious compulsion for any reason. And contrary to what a lot of people think they know about Sharia, Sharia itself mandates separation of religion and state. So this idea that there's a Sharia-run country out there is an oxymoron, because by definition, a Sharia-run country would be a secular government, by definition, where people would have religious freedom and the right to believe or not believe, pray or not pray, be Muslim and not mus- or not be Muslim, and have the same rights under the government. What the Quran, what Sharia actually mandates is that the government should have two fundamental requirements. Whatever government you choose has to have two fundamental requirements. One is that it must be based on absolute justice, which is a secular concept. And two, that there is no autocratic regime, there's no dictatorship, and that the head of state is obliged to take consultation from the people so hence you have this concept of congress this this it's a system of, of what arabic uh, the arabic word is mushawarat the system of consultation with the masses so that it's not a dictator making a decision on his own accord once these two elements are ingrained then the government can be whatever you want it to be it could be a parliament it could be a, a secular republic it could be a democracy it can't be a dictatorship. It can't be communist. It can't be fascist because those violate these fundamental elements. And, and you know, I'm, I'm happy to, to share the, the work I've written on this to, for people who want deeper insight. But ultimately, the bottom line is that Sharia to Muslims in America is no different than Halakha is to Jews, is no different than canon law is to Catholics. It governs how we pray, our dietary restrictions, our marriage, divorce, civil contracts basic things that every person engages in throughout their life at some point or another. To be afraid of Sharia is to be afraid of canon law or to be afraid of, of Halakha. And it's really, it's again, it's a it's a solution in search of a problem. The, the reality is that once you take a time to understand what Sharia actually is, you realize that governments like Saudi Arabia and Iran are the antithesis of what Sharia is as the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, himself taught.
2: Qasim, you have a podcast. Uh, every week, you host a podcast
0: where you unpack various elements
2: of being Muslim in a modern American landscape. Tell us, tell us a little bit more.
0: Well, we started the Recite Islam podcast with the Religion News Foundation last year to provide a more uh, narrative understanding of Islam. If you're looking for something that's super academic, that uses big, complex words and is just a dry rendering of some basic facts, we are not the podcast for you. What we bring to the table is an engaging, interactive story. We take lessons from Islamic history and we relate them as they were learned. We, we tell the story of Islam. And so every episode is really like a 30 minute uh, you know, story from you know, beginning, middle, and end. We have cliffhangers, we have dad jokes, we have some pop culture references, and we're having a lot of fun with it. It's it's had some great early success. We've been the number one Islamic podcast on iTunes uh, for several weeks in a row uh, in the United States, in, in Canada, in the UK. Uh, but I think fundamentally, this podcast is designed not necessarily for the Muslim audience, but for the non-Muslim audience. Uh, we, we want this to be something approachable and engaging. And so, you know, whether it's iTunes or Podbean or Stitcher or whatever your uh, podcast listening app is, we're, we're everywhere. We have a Patreon account as well. But, um, you know, check us out, recite Islam and, uh, and let us know what you think. So, <laughs> So do you have a good dad joke like
2: right on hand that you can lay on us?
0: Well, I, I, there, there, there's 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 so many there's so many to choose from, uh, but 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 I, I think in, in the spirit of the discussion of, of, of uh, Sharia law, I, I my go-to one is is uh, you know people people are afraid of, of Sharia law, but you know they often mistake it for Shakira law, which is nice because hips don't lie. <laughs> Kasim,
2: uh, thank you for joining me today.
1: No, it's my privilege. Thank you so much, John. Our guest was best-selling and critically acclaimed author, practicing attorney, and Truman National Security Fellow Qasem Rashid, speaking with Beliefs producer Jonathan Woodward from his home in Virginia. The conversation continues on our Facebook page, and we tweet at Beliefs Podcast. Whatever you think of us, come write a review or comment on our website at religionnews.com slash beliefs. Beliefs is brought to you with the support of the Bernard L. Schwartz Center for Media, Public Policy, and Education at the Graduate School of Education at Fordham University. The theme music is by Edward Billis. I'm Bill Baker, and thank you for listening.